The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle. I'm really looking forward to our conversation with a world recognized sports physician, family doctor, an expert in telemedicine and digital health. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Dr. Ralph Rogers. Dr. Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for making the time. Before we begin our discussion, could you take just a little bit and tell the audience all about your prestigious background? Well, it all starts in being born in New York City, the Bronx, and growing up in New Jersey in a very excellent school system. And then to make a long story short, I qualified in medicine at Catholic University in Leuven. I did my medicine in Flemish and then did a PhD in the United States in exercise physiology at University of Maryland for those Turpins. And then went on and did a fellowship in sports medicine and family medicine in the United Kingdom and ended up on Harley Street, where I now practice in London. Perfect. Maybe you could tell a little bit how you became involved in telemedicine. Well, it's kind of an interesting journey, to be fair. London is like New York in many respects, that you have people from all over the world. And Harley Street is traditionally, historically, the hub of, let's say, great medical minds, or I should say have a history of medicine on Harley Street. And as you know, the United Kingdom or Great Britain has been all over the world, so Patients from all over who have been colonized from England aspire to come to Harley Street. And just as many doctors from lots of parts of the world aspire to practice on Harley Street or in this area. What happened was a few years ago, it was very flattering to find people flying from all over, not only to see my colleagues, but myself for various treatments. And then they would fly home, and it almost would be like they were commuting from very long distances for health care. And, okay, the odd consultation or follow-up would be over the phone and then the Skype visit. And then I can remember, and I won't mention what country it was, but I can remember a lady taking a private jet and flying to see me for about 15 minutes, oh, getting no. back on a private jet and going, I was like, this is crazy. It's not that I didn't know that telemedicine was out there. I just said, listen, I need to learn more about telemedicine. And then from there, I did some research, looked at the American Telemedicine Association, and found a fantastic course at the University of Alaska. And I did the certified telehealth coordination as well as programming, which I think has been just unbelievable for where I want to go forward with telemedicine. Great background. I appreciate that. Where do you think telemedicine is in general today? Is it ready for prime time, as people are suggesting? That's a great question. It's ready for prime time. There's no doubt about it. But 
there has to be a cultural change. Now, I can only speak about it from, I I know a lot about telemedicine from the United States, just having studied it, but I can also compare it to what's happening here in the UK. Now, I'll talk about what happens in the UK in medicine. First of all, healthcare is for free predominantly, except for where I practice, which is private medicine. And so there's a shortage of physicians, as we know, just all over the world. There's an aging population. And seeing a doctor becomes much more difficult. So, of course, telemedicine is a great fit because you can have access, there's affordability, and you can have quality within telemedicine. And the advent of increasing advances in technology makes telemedicine fantastic. But you still have to understand there has to be a cultural shift from patients. You just can't put it on them. And I think that's where sometimes telemedicine falters or the introduction of of telemedicine falters in certain populations. Yeah, the way I would say it, Dr. Ralph, I was involved in teleradiology and then PACS in the early days. And the big mistake that organizations made is they tried to implement the new technology using the same workflow as the old technology. Yes. And, in fact, by the time we got to the third generation of PACs, where the workflow before you had all this technology and radiology had 22, 23 steps, the workflow afterwards had seven steps. Yes. In the in-between, it was even worse when you were trying to use automation to do these slow manual processes. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that practices of all sorts are going to have to reimagine how the technology will improve their workflow and cut out the steps that are no longer needed and add the steps that will be needed. For example, additional queues and additional queue management and additional staffing of those queues. So, so, I really love the way you answered that. It is we really got to change the way we're thinking about workflow and the culture. I think you make an excellent point because telemedicine, telehealth has been around for a very long time, and radiology has been at the forefront. Pathology has been at the forefront. Cardiology has been at the forefront with some of the diagnostic tools that they have. But what I think is very important, and getting back to what medicine is really all about the ethos of medicine, the gold standard in medicine is a face-to-face consultation, and that's a history taking in front of your patient, examination, putting your hands on the patient, making the diagnosis, discussing the diagnosis, and then administering treatment. And what's happened, because of a lot of stakeholders, and they see they can save money, they think, hang on here, we can just put telemedicine, and we can save a lot of money, whereas, in fact, so many steps of what medicine is really all about is missed. And this is what I mean from one generation to another. It's got to be gradually introduced because at the end of the day, as I said, there is a gold standard in medicine, and it's very important. And there's a lot of cues that you have within a consultation, the nonverbal cues, which are so important. And a lot of that is missed in telemedicine. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't use telemedicine. I think it's fantastic. 
But I think that medicine is a little bit more than just technology. In fact, I know it's a little bit more than technology. And we have to be very careful. I agree with you. How do you see telemedicine evolving the next couple of years? It's always nice to see what we're doing in the state with technology because I saw something that I think they're doing at Harvard where they're actually examining patients through a booth and things of that nature, which I think is fantastic. Okay, cardiology, you can listen to heart sounds. Pathology, you could always get the slides. And of course, the future will also be in surgery where somebody might be 2,000 miles away performing surgery. So all these things are possible, technologically possible. But is it the right thing to do? Should we go a little bit slower in order to achieve these goals? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think you have one of the perfect use cases, which is VIP medicine, where telemedicine can really help. Another really great use case is for rural health service. How do you see telemedicine expanding into the rural parts of the world? And that's where I think it's going to have its major impact because we know, for example, you look at a country like Nigeria, which I have a great interest for, and in the, the population explosion there and the shortage of health care providers. And in some of these rural communities, telemedicine would be a great tool in combination with, let's say, polyclinics, smaller polyclinics, because you're not going to be making hospitals all over the area. But how I see it, also thinking specifically about Nigeria, with the advent of and the penetration of these smartphones, using smartphones, polyclinics, with telemedicine and telehealth, I think it would be amazing, absolutely amazing. Here's a lot of information that if you think about the AIDS and Ebola, all these messages that could be pumped into mobile phones, all these public health messages that could be pumped in mobile phones. What's really interesting about public health medicine is not so much about the treatment as it is about the prevention. And I think that will be unbelievable. It'll be a great public health tool to prevent some of these chronic diseases such as obesity, diabetes. That's not only in the rural communities, that's in our communities right now. Maybe I should test this with you. I feel like for those underserved communities, whether it's in Africa or rural U.S. or rural any country, where there's no competition, telemedicine has to win every time <laughs> when you have the choice of no health care or access to really good health care that might be a few hours away but you get to experience it right now, I don't know how you, you argue with that model. There is no competition, absolutely. And especially with the advent of these smartphones, if there's a great penetration within these populations, a lot of these people do their trade, they do their banking, so they're very sophisticated with these smartphones. So you can imagine that if there's no healthcare and you can able to get healthcare through a mobile phone, fantastic. But for me, that's just the beginning. I'm still looking towards trying to incorporate the gold standard of face-to-face -face consultation when needed and have telemedicine and telehealth involved. Right. And use both when they're appropriate. Absolutely. Rather because, than the gold standard every time. Absolutely. Because we know there's a shortage 
of providers. We need it for a number of reasons. Traveling, the cost of traveling, the hardship of traveling. It's definitely needed. And that's why telemedicine will be so great within these populations, especially these underdeserved rural populations. And I dare say urban areas. And with that, Intrepid Healthcare will return with our guest, Dr. Ralph Rogers, after this quick break. We'll be right back. CTG Health Solutions is proud to have been your trusted advisor for healthcare IT consulting services for over 25 years. In that time, CTG Health Solutions has provided healthcare strategic, technical, and operational consulting support to more than 600 healthcare provider and payer organizations. CTG Health Solutions satisfied clients are supported by some of the most talented healthcare consultants who have chosen CTG Health Solutions as their work home in large part due to the company's outstanding culture. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. CTG Health Solutions was named a Modern Healthcare Best Places to Work company again last year. Find out more about CTG Health Solutions and their world-class culture by liking them on Facebook or stopping by their website at www.ctghs.com. And we're back with Dr. Ralph Rogers talking telemedicine. Dr. Ralph, what are some of the benefits that you have personally experienced of using telemedicine? Looking at some of the things that I'm involved in right now, if I look at digital health, which is all a part of the telehealth, telemedicine arena, I'm working with a group that is looking at physical activity. Now, I think the advent of some of these Apple products and Fitbit, I think it's great that people are thinking in terms of that, but I think there's so many more steps that we can go with using digital health. In other words, I would like to see a tool that actually engages with patients and their health. For example, if you have two individuals who are 55-year-old men who have had heart attacks, one was fit and healthy and just been a little bit unlucky and had a cardiac event, but the other one was obese and actually very sedentary. Their rehabilitation will be much different as far as I'm concerned because there are two separate individuals. I think we should start to have technology or these digital health technologies that address individual needs and feedback individuals to individual needs, have algorithms that address it to each individual, like the frequency of exercise, the intensity and duration. It's not going to be one fits all. So I think in terms of telemedicine and telehealth, we should be looking at tools and hardware and software that feeds back personal information to individuals and adjust it accordingly. Right. What you say is a very good point. I just have a a simple personal story on that. Right after I got married 10 years ago, we got married later in life, and we were about to have a child, and we decided to buy some life insurance. Well, I've been an athlete all my life. At that point, I was pretty well built. I was running marathons. And as a part of the physical that I had to take to get my insurance, some nurse visited our house, and she weighed me, and she termed me obese. Yes, I get it. Yep. I'm yeah. six foot two. I was 215 pounds. Yep. 
at that point, I was running marathons or half marathons every three months. And I was flabbergasted and I couldn't get them to change their mind. And my insurance is much higher than my wife's who didn't have to take the physical because she got a buy because she was pregnant at the time. And rather than argue about it, we just took it and paid that amount every since. But it goes to your point of individual medicine. So as we roll out and we're able to serve a broader population, it will give good physicians like you the ability to be in contact more regularly with people and to adjust for their individual needs. Absolutely. There's a company here in England called Key Performance. They have an unbelievable software that actually does what I'm talking about. They're looking at individual needs. They've developed the software to look at physical activity, people's physical activity, because we know it's not just about how much exercise you're doing. It's looking at the right amount of physical activity you're having and also measuring the inactivity. And the more we know about physical activity and exercise, the more we need this type of software in order to monitor people, again, to look at obesity, to look about diabetic management, to look at cardiac rehab, for example. What are the incentives today for using telemedicine? Well, a lot of it is, I guess it started by how cost-effective telemedicine is. And again, because there's an aging population, there's a shortage of providers. There are rural communities that need the best health care, quality health care, access to health care, affordable health care. You could have someone in a rural community that has had a horrific accident, but actually can be treated by some of the best doctors in the world just through this marvelous technology, just by doing Skype or whatever. I just mentioned Skype because everyone understands Skype, but right. just using the technology and computers to say, hey, look, you should be doing this now. Thank you, doctor. Do this right now. They're bleeding, whatever. So some of the best minds in the world can come to the most rural areas of the world, and that's fascinating. I find that very fascinating. I agree with you. What advice would you give to other providers who are thinking about starting to use telemedicine and are looking for advice? The first thing I would do, and I've seen this personally, is if you're in a small area, it's just like anything else in cultural change. You have to bring your patients on board. You have to make sure that they are comfortable with the concept, the ideas, and whether it can help them. If you don't bring the patients on board, I don't care what it is, whatever you're trying to do, it won't happen. There will be barriers, and it will never work because they won't make it work. So I think the first thing is to educate your clinicians, educate the administration, listen to their concerns, and make sure that these concerns can be addressed. Also, educate them. That's the first thing. The second thing is make sure that you have proper infrastructure. I'm talking from experience. I've seen this thing happen, and I've told this group of people what would happen, and it surely did happen. And again, a lot of it has to do with my education at University of Alaska. But infrastructure is very important. You also have to look at confidentiality 
you also have to look at language concerns. And I dare say, depending on where you're doing it, you have to make sure that the physicians are comfortable using this technology and that they are at the day are going to be remunerated. They're going to be paid for their work. And these are just a few of the major concerns, but there are some barriers. Just don't cut out the gold standard. I think it's very important that we strive to have the gold standard a part of what we're trying to achieve. I'm going to quote you over and over on that, Dr. Ralph, because I think that's so important. Coming from you, who's had so much experience, that'll really play. And people, I think, will really listen to that. Because telemedicine isn't a replacement. It's an augmenting of all the things you're doing, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't agree more. Do you have a vision for bringing telemedicine to some of these remote and underdeveloped parts of the world? For many reasons, friends, colleagues, I have this fascination about certain parts of Africa, and, and I have a lot of friends from Nigeria. I had a vision over the last few years and developed this business plan and structure to bring telemedicine, telehealth to this region. The way I would do it is, again, because of the penetration of mobile phones and how sophisticated some of these people are able to use this, combine that, again, with some of these polyclinics dotted out through various regions. But also, let's not leave out networking between the polyclinics. I've done some work on interorganizational networking and how important that could be or how important that is within medical services. This is where you bring technology and also, I dare say, again, the gold standard together, it could be quite powerful. And you can imagine if there's an outbreak, it's not that we don't do this now, but we're not doing it as well as we could. If there's an outbreak of some sort of disease someplace and it could travel someplace else, like the whole Ebola thing, or just increasing the quality and access, as I said before, and affordability of healthcare for everyone. Everyone should have a certain quality, affordability, and access to healthcare. So I see my plan, and having worked on it for close to two years, and hopefully we'll be implementing it within the next six or seven months. I see my plan working out very well, and it is needed. That's the whole thing. There is a definite need. I agree. Nobody can argue that. Looks like we're running up against the clock, Dr. Ralph. Before I let you go, where can people go to contact you and to learn more about all your efforts? We have a website. I have a website, www.drralph.com, or I think if you just Google me, Dr. Ralph Rogers, I come up pretty close to the top, and you'll be able to see some of the work I do on Harley Street. We will be developing another website very soon in order to talk about the project that we hope to implement in Nigeria and West Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, that region. And for me, being the type of person I am, that will be just the start. Because of the technology, if you just make one of these or a couple of these, this will be explosive. But it has to work right. You have to put the right infrastructure in. 
and you have to make sure that it's quality. You have to make sure that everything is done correct from the front end and not catch up because, as you know, with many of these services, telemedicine has been around for a long time, but a lot of people haven't bought into it because there's been so many stop, start, stop, starts, and people haven't bought into it because it hasn't worked. So you've got to make sure it works first. Otherwise, you lose your patients, you lose your administration, you, you lose it. You get one shot at this, really. Yeah. And I think right now we're starting to get another shot. There seems to be a whole generation. Technology becomes better. We're getting another shot at actually implementing some of this wonderful technology to help these people. You're absolutely right. We're going to be keeping up with you and keep our audience up to date. Dr. Ralph, it's so great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, all right. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Dr. Ralph Rogers, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. Mm-hmm.